spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. And if this is your first time here, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about living a spiritual life and about personal development. Now I bring you this episode about social distancing and I'm recording it, the intro that is, on a Friday night. And I have to admit, circumstances aside, staying inside is kind of my main lifestyle and also so is it not really mattering what day of the week it is. I have to say that solitude is something that I enjoy a good amount of and at the same time solitude that's not chosen has a grief component to it and we do discuss that in this episode. The opportunity within solitude if it's not chosen, is learning how to be in deeper communion with the parts of ourselves that we've wanted to be distracted from, or just gaining a deeper groundedness in ourselves that is more unconditional and more all-encompassing. It's a great time for reflection. It's a great time for innovation in terms of discovering how to enjoy our own company It's a time for maybe increased reflection and making sense of ourselves and our experience in a new way with less distraction potentially and more opportunity for deep thought. So my friend and astrologer Cello Carpenter Pierce posted an article about Saturn in Aquarius and social distancing shortly after the shelter-in-place orders were issued and promptly before the ingress of Saturn into Aquarius. And we had this conversation just hours before the ingress. Cello is a queer astrologer who uses astrology to help anchor and make sense of life. They seek to infuse anti-oppression, anti-capitalist ideals into their work. Cello is drawn towards rest, catharsis, community, creativity, and care work. In reclaiming relationship to their own body and personal autonomy, they have developed a queer-slash-questioning approach to the amygdala's hard-edged perspective of fate, destiny, and time. Cello is a delightful person I've had many whimsical conversations with, and that energy comes through despite the seriousness of the subject matter that we explore today. I originally got to know Cello through the honor of having them in one of my evolutionary astrology intensives, and Cello brought a lot of thoughtfulness and empathy to our group. Cello has a poetic perception, and my experience of them is that they lead with the heart when expressing observations about reality or offering reflections to others. I have been touched by Cello's heartfulness and palpably felt the warmth that they bring to group spaces. So it is a joy to have them on the podcast, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Cello. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sabrina. Nice to see you. 
You too. This is a really cool day for both of us because it is the Saturn ingress into Aquarius, which begins our Saturn returns more like officially, I would say. Mm, Yeah, it's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) And it is Saturday. It's Saturn's day. Um, And we have like a very Saturnian topic today talking about the pandemic and solitude. And Mm -hmm. it was just a few days ago that I saw you post this really great article about connecting the astrology to like the current astrology to the pandemic and offering some insight for people about how to deal with solitude um, and social distancing. And it was actually reading your post that got me to reflect on how experienced I feel as well with solitude, having had a few times in my life where I was in deep isolation, not necessarily by choice, you know, or like being younger and feeling like I didn't have friends and the loneliness and figuring out how to entertain myself and make the most of the time. And I've been noticing this trend that there's people on the internet who are introverts and hermits who are speaking up and they're like, we know how to deal with social distancing. Um, And I find it very charming. (laughs) And I wanted to uh, have a conversation about that um, and speak more about what you wrote in your article. So I guess the first thing I want to ask you before we launch into all of that is what brought you onto this path of astrology? What called you and brought you to where you are today? Awesome. Yeah. Um, So I guess my like interest in astrology was founded out of the feeling of being isolated or alone um, because I didn't feel like I understood myself very well and I didn't understand how to interact with the world around me very well. Um, So from a young age, I like really clung to that symbolism of the signs and tried to learn how to be more like a person (laughs) (laughs) reading about my sun sign. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, it was like almost like an emotional coping mechanism um, initially. And it wasn't until like right around the time I turned 20, like 1920 that um, I started uh, looking more closely at um, you know, why the signs have their significations, you know, how the like planets, houses, and aspects play into it all, um, and tried to read charts, which I found very difficult at that time. <laughs> um, and then eventually when I was 26, so like six years later, um, I started taking online courses, one of which was yours. Um, and that's when I began to see my own potential in doing this more professionally. Awesome. Yeah. Um, your astrological writing is so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Such a nice like, compliment to hear from you. <laughs> so beautiful too. Thanks. Hmm. Um, and so as for the current moment with social distancing, what's the astrology that we can connect to that um, to start out with? For social distancing, well, um, in general, you know, a lot of a lot of astrologers, um, the astrological community has been pointing out this like social distancing as like a Saturn in Aquarius. Saturn being like the distance, um, and distance is actually an interesting word that I looked up, uh, tried to get the etymology of which. <laughs> 
like die, D-I, is two in stance, standing, so two standing apart in the space between the two. Um, so like that distance uh, between um, others, social being an air sign quality, like Aquarius, um, which is interesting because Saturn is about to enter Aquarius. So you know, it kind of feels like a preview to what is coming, right? The other part of that is, you know, the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which I heard you talking about in your podcast that you just put out. <laughs> um, and how there's just like a lot of information coming to light about, you know, structures that have been put into place and like how we cling to those structures. Um, and now Saturn being at the very end of Capricorn and about to enter Aquarius, you know, maybe how those structures are like breaking down and in what ways we can kind of reimagine a new structure um, or develop a, a better structure that is um, more available, more accessible for more people. Hmm. Um, and so social distancing really focuses on um, kind of the civic duty of being aware of your boundaries, right? Um, And so if Saturn is a planet that really likes bounds, limits, rules, it's interesting to see that we're trying to protect ourselves, but also others through um, having stricter social rules. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's Uh, a a huge ethical component of it because it's not just about our own feelings of how vulnerable we are to illness, but the possibility of spreading illness to others. So the group collective in many cases is banding together to prevent the spread. Right. And the collective is another like Aquarian quality, right. Of um, like a large group of people uh, with a similar vision or like all looking ahead and in, in the same direction, maybe not with the same vision, but, you know, kind of going in generally the same direction. Um, And I also thought it was interesting that, a lot of the people who are most vulnerable to um, the virus are people who are like associated with Saturn. So older people, um, folks who are immunocompromised. So that would be like a suppression of the immune system. Saturn being like a a, a dampener or um, almost like a softener. It, well, it's not really a soft planet, <laughs> but it, it definitely like mutes energy or reduces it in some way um, such that it's like deleting it or, you know, depleting it. Um, and so in people who are immunocompromised and then uh, folks who um, basically like struggle to um, make ends meet, who, you know, have to, 
do service-oriented jobs. And so, you know, they're vulnerable uh, by the, like, economic impact um, and the fact that, like, so many businesses have to close down uh, in response. Um, and... Yeah, it, it just, it's really interesting to see that those communities are coming up um, as really important to protect, to support. Um, those are all like Saturn terms, all Saturn things. So it seems, it just feels like Saturn is everywhere in this. Yeah. Thanks for making those connections. Um, I want to talk about solitude as well and just like... <laughs> Uh, you know, to start out with, what do you think are the the detriments or the pitfalls of solitude, as well as what might be fruitful or beneficial about this solitude that a lot of people are contending with right now? Yeah, so solitude, <laughs> I'm like, I just like felt the, the grief of that. <laughs> you got like a thousand yard stare. <laughs> um, that's like, Solitude is hard um, because we're naturally social beings um, and we want to be in community. We want to be liked. You know, there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of importance in um, being with people who make you feel like yourself, who make you feel whole. Um, and isolation can kind of cut you off from that feeling um, because it's really a social energy. So that's like one of the most obvious pitfalls to it is that you have to work a lot harder to engage with others. You have to be more intentional. You're not just going to bump into someone, you know, as you're walking through the street um, or, you know, Wherever you might be, if you um, if you have access to a lot of social spaces, when you are in isolation, um, there can be some peacefulness, like peace qualities, um, and so bringing this back to Saturn. <laughs> um, Saturn is um, considered to have its joy in the 12th house. So in Hellenistic astrology, that is, Saturn is what it has its joy in the, in the 12th house. Um, the 12th house is a place of isolation. It can be. Um, and is associated with the bad diamond or the bad spirit. Um, so there are a lot of layers to this. <laughs> and if that's something anyone wants to go into, they should like read Chris Brennan's book <laughs> or, you know, look into maybe his podcast or something. Um, but basically the, the bad spirit is, um, or I guess I'm talking about the spirit right now. So if you have a chart and then you divide it in half, the daytime part and the nighttime part, the nighttime part will be, you know, the first through the sixth house. And these all represent um, really like 
bodily physical experiences, which are associated with fortune. Uh, fortune being like that which happens to you in a physical existence, kind of like your lottery ticket in life. Um, and then spirit is the top half of the chart. So that would be seven through 12. Um, and that's like kind of the soulful part of life, like the seeker, um, what you intend to do, your public image, kind of like um, not so physical things, more um, things that exist in your mind or like social aspects of yourself. Um, so when we talk about the bad spirit, that would be the 12th house because it's hard to see, but it's in the top half of the chart. Um, and it's very close to the first house, which represents the self. And so it's like that, which is right behind you. Um, maybe what we might call your like shadow side or things about yourself that are a little bit more difficult to process. Um, and I think when people are alone or isolated, they kind of have to face that, you know, I think mm. times when people are alone, they feel a little uncomfortable or itchy about being with themselves because they just don't know how to do it. You know, I think of like in childhood, parents will send their kids to their room as punishment. Like now you have to be alone, <laughs> you know, or um, like if you think about that in a more um, in a broader sense, kind of more serious tone, like people go to jail um, and they're, they're stuck there, you know, uh, and it is punishment. They are separated from their families, separated from their, um, comfort of, of life. Um, and in this sense, um, this isn't always a great place to, to find yourself. Um, so like, Knowing that there are these pros and cons, we can kind of associate um, Saturn with some of those pros and cons. You've got like the hard edged, um, you know, the, the structure of limitation, the fact that like you really can't go beyond your limits. And if you do, you might die you know, or if you do, you might be put away, um, or hidden or, um, you know, taken into, um, a bad place mentally. Um, and also, you know, this can be a space of like peacefulness and you think of like monks going to monasteries, um, or like really long Vipassana, retreats or meditations and like just like sitting in silence and learning to you know feel one with everything and so there's like kind of a healing side of it um which is like the best of saturn <laughs> and then there's this really um oppressive quality to it which is maybe the hardest part of saturn um and we all have you know some balance of that and in, in our charts you know um, and does that answer your question? I kind of got lost. <laughs> um, that was so rich. Yeah. Um, 
So I want to ask from there um, what you've personally gained or learned from solitude. Like what's your connection to it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, hmm. My connection to solitude has been, um, I mean, it's been very personal uh, because I've done it intentionally. Um, So I've done it intentionally as like a, an act of self-care and developing um, like a wall of safety, I guess. Um, And that comes out of like a, like childhood trauma experiences that I've been processing and trying to um, work through in a safe space, you know? So for me, it's been um, positive, like, overall productive overall like uh, an intentional obstacle I placed for myself right um and I think you know part of that comes out of um a a couple qualities like my personal placements um and what sign is in my 12th house of, you know, isolation, just Sagittarius, very like optimistic, positive sign. <laughs> um, and then I have a um, really um, dignified Saturn Aquarius, which is like its own sign in uh, traditional astrology. Saturn rules both Capricorn and Aquarius. Um, and then, you know, there are just, and, and there, there are more layers to that, but it does. It works really well for me and it isn't necessarily going to work that well for other people. Um, really depends on, on the chart placement, but, uh, for me, that's, um, that's how it it came up and has, um, you know, developed into something that is really important to me and a part of my, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, I'm like embodying that in my identity now. Like it's okay to be alone and um, it's okay to just be me. Like I don't have to be me and anyone else, you know? Yeah. Um, Which is so healing also for like my Gemini son (laughs) who feels like so scattered. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, you're Gemini, but you also feel very focused, and that may be the cap rising. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, this is, I like that you are drawing attention to the ruler of the 12th house as a way to describe how someone experiences solitude. That gave me a few connections. Um, and so now, Yes, that you have the Sagittarius, like you can offer us some wisdom and teachings about solitude. (laughs) I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you feel um, when people are in solitude? And I think, you know, there's two different basic ways that I see solitude in the sense it could be chosen, like you were Mm -hmm. describing, or it could be not chosen such as if a loved one has passed away or you get the grief element. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or even like, you know, for me with Saturn and Aquarius, I had times in my life where I was like, I don't feel like I have community. Like there were people that I could call and go out with, but I would always feel just out of place mm-hmm. and I would prefer my own company. And in my own company, I started to write more and broadcast my writing to find friends through my writing that now I feel like I have a more vibrant social life, but it came out of my solitude. So yeah, there's these different types of solitude, chosen and unchosen. And either way, I think they both require some kind of level of um, adaptation, right? Or coping, depending on... I guess the severity. So what are some things that you feel um, can really bolster or support people in experiences of solitude? Oh, wow. There, I mean, hmm. yeah. So I'm doing, my mind is just running around with like all these different images of solitude now that we've like kind of expressed some of the, 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 um, different potentials of it, like my own experience and then the grief experience. And then I had mentioned like, like jailing or, um, uh, you know, like a spiritual experience, like meditation. And, um, I think at the core of all of them is the the anchor. Um, so an anchor The term anchor is a term that um, I heard from tarot practitioner um, Lindsay Mack, who um, had gotten the information from a therapist. Basically, it's just, um, you know, like a a daily exercise um, that is a little bit self-reflective. It kind of uh, gets you in touch with where you are. So um, it helps almost in a way like tether you to the day. Um, and then the next day you have another tether. It's like a data point also. Um, so if you do it over a very long period of time, you start to see um, more of yourself more clearly. Um, so, what like, are some of these activities? Yeah. What are, <laughs> so it's like, um, I mean, so one is you could pull like a tarot card and then write about how that makes you feel that day. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be very long. It can be very short. Um, I know that, that like in my own experience, uh, sometimes, sometimes it's just hard because, um, emotional reflecting can bring up a lot of difficult memories or um, difficult experiences. So if you're kind of in that space um, without intention or like forced into a space of isolation, it's important to like go slow because sometimes things are so overwhelming. And, you know, we see this also in like um, in the body and the way it like, holds tension sometimes it just won't relax no matter how hard you try because it's protecting you from fully processing something that might be too hard right um 
So anyways, it's just, it's just like a daily thing. It could be um, tarot poll. could be jotting down what your temperature is. That's like a really easy one if you have a thermometer. Um, and it's surprising to note like, oh, I'm really warm today, <laughs> you know, or I'm like surprisingly cold. What does that mean? <laughs> um, and then, but like, it, it's also kind of self-care uh, thing because you can activity, I guess, because then you can respond to that by like putting on a jacket or taking off a sweater or something. If you have to wearing a sweater, maybe like go topless or whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> just like making it playful. I mean, yeah. Well, you're alone. Like you can wear whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's like, it can be really small like that. I mean, you know, most people will wake up and like they have a routine because the morning time is when the mind is most like, flexible, I guess. So it's actually easier to change routines and habits um, in the first part of the day than it is in the latter part of the day. Um, So in the morning, it's like, you know, you could make your bed, you could, um, uh, you know, have whatever beverage you have in the morning, um, or like brushing your teeth, brushing your teeth is a great like Saturn activity because you're taking care of your bones. Um, But it's like, Every time you do it, it has to be kind of special. Like there has to be the intention. Um, if you don't have the intention, it still works, but not as not as well. Um, there's something really magical about giving it to yourself, you know, um, and like opening your mind to the fact like this could change me like a period of time it can help me um kind of like a placebo effect I guess um sorry that was just giving me a flashback of like um in third grade I got like grounded for a week because I wasn't allowed to ride my bike outside without being watched. And one night I just took my bike out and rode out into the night (laughs) and it was amazing. (laughs) And then I got caught (laughs) and I got grounded for a week and it was um, half day at school because we were taking like standardized testing. So not only was I grounded, but I had extra hours of the day. And instead of going out to lunch with friends and doing that whole thing, I just had to go home to my room. <laughs> and I had like a um, a bottle of Gatorade, like a day, you know, like they're from Costco or something. And I just like took one to school. But I started like stalking them in my desk in my room and just like slowly drinking Gatorade as like a thing to do that would entertain me and be pleasurable. (laughs) But it was just like very intentional sipping, leaving it in my mouth, tasting it, swallowing it. And it was not like a unconscious thing. It was like a very intentional, like I'm passing my time. Yeah. That's that's also like a really Aquarian thing. (laughs) You're like fully experiencing like Aquarius isn't just about, I don't know, Aquarius is about gathering every data point in order to understand, right? You're like fully immersed in the, whatever, the subject Gatorade, right? (laughs) You're like divining something out of that, which is like, 
that's what you did when you were alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've had like, it's interesting because it's even like I drink right now, like a matcha latte first thing in the morning, most days. Mm-hmm. And it's so pleasurable. And I would drink them all day long if it wouldn't make me feel bad in my body, you know, like I'd feel yeah. really fried. But it's just like an activity that there's a finite amount of matcha and I just like really enjoy it. And then it's over. But it's yeah, an anchor of some kind. Mm, definitely, definitely. And you know, like even um, like and like thinking, you know, back on because it's really easy to um, like imagine positive experiences. It's like pleasurable to imagine the positive experiences, but it's also um, important to kind of ground that in the uh, more difficult experiences. So I just wanted to like mention, um, you know, like, like in, in a bad, um, bad, in a difficult or challenging, um, like mental state like grief or anxiety or depression or, you know, any of those, um, experiences that kind of take your mind a little bit outside of where you are, mm-hmm. um, kind of put you in a place of, uh, internal isolation or, um, you know, in the circumstances where like the body is unable to, um, get out of wherever it is, like say in, in a, like in a jail cell or, you know, caught, um, you know, in your room, if you're a kid and punished by your parents or, um, if you're uh, like physically disabled, you just can't move. Um, there are, and that's, and if that's like particularly emotionally distressing for you in that time, there are layers, you know, of course, to everything. Um, but I find that having that anchor in moments of like very difficult situations can, it's almost like a gratitude practice, you know? And I think that it's like kind of there was a theme of that in what you were describing with the matcha where it's like there's a limited supply. So there is some kind of limitation to what you're experiencing. Um, It is a very, it's a frivolous example. (laughs) You know, it's a pleasurable experience, but um, I mean, but the, like those keywords are there. Right. And so it's like, um, if there's a, if you are like facing a limit, it's going to be hard in some way, you know, and there are different um, levels of pain and, you know, what's painful for one person is not necessarily the same for another. Um, But, you know, in really, really difficult moments, the, the anchor can be just like this, this brief moment of like respite or release um, from the, the external difficulties that you might be facing. Um, so it's, and that, in that sense, it's really more of like a a coping mechanism to get you through as opposed to something that can like lift you out. Um, because, uh, there are just a lot of situations where you can't, you just can't go. (laughs) You just can't get out. Um, And it's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. This reminded me too that I've been seeing um, 
some like uh, images spread on social media of people letting other people know that it's okay to not be productive. Like just because you're in like a social distancing thing or you're at home that you don't have to be productive because of that. And I think it's interesting to point that out because that also relates to our state of mind. Like we could have the energy and the motivation, the spirit, if you will, to be productive, but there are also times where like, um, like how many years and like in 2012, when I was like stuck at home and that whole thing that I've talked about on this podcast in the second episode, I couldn't, um, read and write like my brain. I just couldn't really do it. And so people would tell me who are like, knew that I was bored and isolated. They're like, why don't you just read or write a book or something? And I was like, I actually like physically, emotionally can't. Um, And just thinking about like, you know, there may be times to like, like galvanize ourselves to do work and other times to just like let go. And like the world is on pause in a lot of ways. Um, So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that in terms of that conversation about productivity within isolation. Yeah. I mean, Oh, <laughs> it's, that's a really important, um, topic and it, yeah, it really makes me think of like capitalism and just the, the mayhem of like more and more and more be, you know, like to be worthy, you have to produce something, <laughs> you have to make something, you have to like, um, you're, you're not worthy as just a human and the reality is that we are. (laughs) Um, and we're just being sold this, this ideal. Here's my like anti-capitalist thing coming out. (laughs) Um, you know, let it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I actually, this reminds me of, um, a book by Alice Sparkly cat. Um, (laughs) I love that name. Uh, money magic etymologies of Saturn and the moon in which they talk about um, basically like they basically look at capitalism through the lens of Saturn and the moon, um, you know, from like ancient perspective all the way to the present day perspective. Um, And, or like, you know, taking like the ancient tradition of, uh, of the, um, definitions of the planets and then um, applying them to the like present day like capitalist society that we're in um, and one thing that they point out is that uh, Saturn was both the wish for a utopia I'm quoting them directly right now Saturn was both the wish for a utopia where the present day government did not exist and the fear of a dystopia where man was subject to the whims of nature unshielded. So there's this like quality of um, utopia there and this like concept of the golden age that like, you know, there was a time when we did nothing and it was great, (laughs) you know, Uh, and there was peace in the land and all was good and lush, but then also the reality of like, 
we would die <laughs> if we were just like out in nature, you know, and fending for ourselves and like had no order at all, there would be kind of chaos. Um, so like, where's the line, you know, between those two and how do we use um, and work with what is like presently available to us um, now to, to manifest like a better, a better future um, to like band together as a collective uh, to make, to make something that is, um, you know, for everyone, um, not just like a few people. Um, and so in that, I think is this quality that like work doesn't have to be, work isn't about being good enough. And I think sometimes we do associate the two and that Saturn has this element of expectation and like the pressure from, from others. I mean, like people have associated Saturn with ancestral trauma, you know, and like the inheritance we get. Um, so you can think about this like as inherited land, but also the inherited ideas and ideologies. If, you know, Saturn is like of the spirit, um, then it's also what we are trying to develop through separation, right? Because Saturn, am I getting off topic a little bit? I just want to clarify what Saturn being of the spirit means. Cause I asked you before we started recording, but I want to share. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Saturn is, um, a, in, you know, the traditional sense, um, we have night charts and day charts and teams of planets or sects that, um, associate with night or day. And so Saturn's of the day, um, the daytime being the time when spirit is alive, whereas like, I mean, spirit's always alive, but like the time of it's the time when, when we act on our spirit, you know, when we're out in the world and like doing things based on uh, what we're thinking in our heads. Whereas nighttime is really focused on the body um, or fortune and like the physical world on food and, you know, health and that kind of thing. And so Saturn being of spirit is, you know, this nod to its um, diurnal sect or daytime team. And I kind of lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I interrupted the train of thought. <laughs> but I think I was trying to say that, um, like, something about the pressure of society and wanting to be good enough, wanting to, like, fit into an ideal, which, you know, there are a lot of ways to look at that. But I think Saturn is, like, a really big one because... Um, you think about Saturn as like an authority figure um, or a government or some sort of like ruling body, uh, ruling system that is imposing uh, an ideal on you and you want to fit that ideal um, when you're alone and having to face the, the darkness of that, then, you know, there can be this pressure to do something with your alone time <laughs> to like make it be valuable um, and to make your time worthy when in reality, like that's not, 
you know, that's, that's just a system of thinking that we do not have to live in. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, there's two things that that makes me think of. Um, One is that a conversation I recently had with uh, Diana Harper that isn't published yet, but will be soon. But we were talking about the 12th house and about doing nothing. And there's certain points in the day where like it actually happened this afternoon. I was so productive. I was doing a lot of things. I was feeling good. And then 2 p.m. hit and I was like just drained, had no energy. And at that point, if I just pivot and do nothing, like literally I can just like lay in my bed and like close my eyes, I find that I get restored. Trying to push through those things is much harder. And then the other thing is if work isn't about being good enough, what is work about? Work is about work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, huh. (laughs) No, I think, um, I mean, hmm. I think of the fact that we all have Saturn and Mars. So these are considered like the two difficult planets in traditional astrology or like the, the malefics. Um, but at their core, all they're trying to do is exert um, like a separation. And you, hmm, a lot of times when we do that, it's because we have this like energy that needs to be um, released. So with Saturn, that energy is like about developing a rule or system, being able to feel safe within your constricted reality. Um, and Mars is about, you know, I know this isn't about Mars, but it's like, it's about like pushing through or expressing a lot of just like firepower. (laughs) I always think about the fire, like burning through, an experience or burning through the, the excess energy that's built inside of you. And in that is kind of this pleasure of working, you know, um, or the pleasure of, of creating system. And um, now I'm like, what is even the definition of work? You know? <laughs> well, I had a, um, and yeah, as a, a good friend um, who works with bees, And he was telling me about how his work ethic is inspired by the bees. Like the bees are always working and they are harvesting like pollen from flowers and making this golden elixir out of it, Mm. of honey. And this insight came to me. He said this to me when Saturn was in the sign of Sagittarius and I would go to the woods Often it was um, while I was still in Washington state and I would get all these business ideas while I was out walking in the woods. And Mm. I started to meditate on work being like a natural function of life that we can have a conditioned or societal or man-made kind of work life, or we can work from spirit, like a divine or inspired vision of how to be in the world and that like work is a in a sense service um working for the whole the bees are working for the hive and the collective saturn and aquarius you know working for the collective and i think even um i've gotten deeper into sanaya roman's channeled 
books the last few days because they bring me a lot of peace. And um, there's a concept in that in spiritual growth being your higher self by Sanaya Roman that all of us on this planet are kind of like climbing a mountain. Um, like we're all evolving and every time we make a discovery or unlock some kind of achievement that we build a pathway behind us and no one has to actually see it to be directly influenced. It's not about a physical pathway, but it's like, it's like radio stations that have more power or more, uh, frequency because more and more people tune into them. So Mm. every time we, work or accomplish something we're actually like collecting an achievement for the hive not just for ourselves um and i think that our economic system or our social reality doesn't make it look that way oh yeah <laughs> you know but that there's a way that we uh, it's this the cheesy phrase we're all in this together that's like being used excessively right now um but the reality and the truth of that that like uh, despite social constructions, like we're part of an embedded living network together. Yeah. And therefore, when we work, you know, if we're working in such a way that I think that this reality is so complex, so not all work benefits everyone. Some work directly harms some groups or some beings, right? But like what kind of work, like what's the work that adds harmony to the ecosystem. And mm-hmm. I wonder if having a more like Aquarian vision of work in that way might be possible during this time period. <laughs> Love that. It like also, you know, like bring that to the Aquarius energy is like, I mean, we have all have in like express energy, <laughs> you know, around us and like in our words and on the internet and all over the place. And so we're influenced by each other constantly. Right. And so like, if someone is, you know, as you were describing, like climbing up this mountain and had developed a new path, even though we might not necessarily like be in that or see it directly, like we're still influenced by the fact that they feel it, you know, and that, that feels like to me, you know, part of the feels like part of the social distancing because I don't know if you've noticed this. I feel like a lot of people have noticed this, but like as soon as, you know, people started having to work from home um, and there were more like measures put in place for self-isolating and quarantine and whatever, there's just this like huge like blow up like energetically. <laughs> And people were just like, I, I mean, obviously there were like posts um, that came up with like lots of suggestions of how to work through it and like what people were feeling and like the panic and anxiety and grief, you know, kind of collectively coming up. Um, But also a lot of moments of like awakening and brightness and like, I can be outside (laughs) in nature, (laughs) like layers and layers and layers of people like just opening up. Um, yeah, I feel that. And when I go online right now, like on Twitter, especially like, cause that's where the astrologers are hanging out. I feel like, <laughs> like when I go on other social media platforms, it's like, uh, for me, I guess how my feeds are curated. Like it's just 
a bunch of different groups of people, but on Twitter, I basically mostly follow astrologers and it's like a little party there. But I noticed that it feels like more people are online than normal because that's a place where people can go now. Yeah. Like there's this electricity opening up because yeah, people are like maybe having to exercise some of their like creative mental capacities more to, you know, innovate how they're going to live at this time. Um, but also like Zoom hangouts and like people like like I like my birthday's coming up. It's gonna be happening under the shelter in place. And I haven't planned for my birthday because Neptune's crossing my ascendant that day. And really in my heart of hearts, when I was dreaming of that day, I would mm-hmm. just wanted to be on a friend vacation at like Mount Shasta with like a bunch of my astrology friends. But the reality is they live all over the country and I wasn't about to like send out an email to like everyone like, Hey, drop a couple hundred dollars to come like party with me about Shasta, you know, for my birthday. I do want to organize some friend vacations when this all like blows over or when we're free to like gather, you know, in physical like reality again. But I'm like, maybe I'll just have a zoom party. Like everyone's down. <laughs> like everyone's like, and there's just this, burst of creative energy happening online and like a bunch of event invites like all these brands are like live streaming things or like offering free classes or meditations like people are getting really creative about how to entertain or serve communities right now Mm. um especially yeah the people that are feeling uh resourced like they have some to give you know yeah definitely Definitely. Um, hmm. Sorry, I just like zoned out for two seconds. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there is something, it, it doesn't feel less social, right? Even though it's like social distancing, it's like more of a physical um, experience, which is, it's really the body and like physical experiences are so important. Um, but like a, like a spiritual level, um, or like the, the spiritual body is experiencing so much more right now. It's like overwhelming (laughs) in some ways. Um, very exciting in other ways. It's just like a lot of, a lot of things are happening, um, in a place that doesn't have, um, like a physical presence per se. Um, though it's like definitely physically felt, it's just a little bit, if you're not already kind of attuned to how to like, how to read that energy, then it's like, wow, it's a lot, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I think there's like, like internet skills though, too. Like I've, like, I'm very content and happy on the internet, but sometimes I talk with people usually in person not on the internet because <laughs> people who are on the internet in a, a visible way have often like found their footing there. Mm-hmm. People that don't really do social media, but I know them in person and they like, it's like there's a struggle of figuring out how to communicate online. Like it's almost seen as like, why would I talk to people online? Like there's people in person. Like I just want to connect face to face. And it's like the whole point of being online is that you 
connect with people who share interests and values as you, but aren't geographically near you. So Mm. weirdos and astrologers (laughs) and like people with like specific niche interests can find each other online. Definitely. Definitely. And I I also feel like, you know, the 12th, um, the 12th house being so close to the 11th house right next to it, uh, you know, as like the community place and how they have that kind of, I don't know, just the resonance of being next to each other and like also being in that same like top half of the chart and so on. Um, yeah. If, if you feel, if you feel like unable to be physically with someone, you can always catch them, you know, through the internet ways. (laughs) So like, um, very like air fire quality, you know, of like being able to, um, be extroverted enough and kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know, like the curious, innovative enough to kind of explore that medium, um, work with it, cultivate it and, uh, learn how to language in it, you know? Yeah, totally. Right. And like this, yeah, well, yeah. Okay. I'll just leave it. <laughs> okay. I wanted to ask you too, Cello, what you think people who have Saturn and Aquarius natally like ourselves, uh, what might be some themes of this Saturn return? Yeah, that's a that's a big one. <laughs> I think I feel like it's big because um, you know I because of the um cycle that it's inviting in with it, <laughs> the the cycle of like Jupiter Saturn having its conjunction in an air sign. So I'm not like well first on this at all, but <laughs> From what I understand, um, it's like every 200 to 250 years or so, there's like Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions that occur in one element, right? And then um, when it makes a shift, there's like this, there's all these changes in society and all the like focus of um, reality gets kind of restructured. Um so Jupiter and Saturn are both like part of that day sect um, and they're both associated with the spirit. So it makes sense that like what happens internally impacts everything externally. Right. Um, and so recently, I mean, the last 200 years it's been in earth signs and. Is this now- the first conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in an air sign for like 200 years? Kind of. Well, it's the second. Um, but the first, the first one was, um, I don't, I think it was in Libra. Yeah, it was in Libra in the 80s. And then there was another one. Oh, that's right. That was in Taurus. Um, so we've just transitioned. So we're, and so like, I, uh, Lee Lehman did a interview on YouTube with someone about the like, about coronavirus in the next three years. (laughs) And uh, she brought this up. Um, She said that apparently, so it's called like a a retrogression or something when it goes into one sign, you know, the conjunction is in in a new element and then it goes back to the old element. 
So she described it as like um, people who really were adults and like conscious, cognitive and available for it when the air-sun conjunction happened um, were kind of like confused and shocked and then, you know, got back into the groove with their earth-sun conjunction. Whereas people who were kind of, were born after the the air-sun conjunction in the 80s, um, I think it was early 80s. Um, So if you were born like around that time or afterwards, then you're already in the air-sun kind of flow. So she's like, there's going to be like all these older people who are just confused and like don't know how to move into this new element. Um, And she said that wasn't really a problem 200 years ago because the life expectancy was different. So there's like all these like interesting layers about how um, we're transitioning from an earth sign element, uh, like Saturn-Jupiter conjunction to this air sign. And this is, you know, the one in Aquarius is happening in December 2020. And it's like really marking like the, like for the next 200 years, here we go, <laughs> you know? And it's it seems to be like previewed a little bit with the Saturn entering Aquarius um, night. And, you know, until what, July 1st, June 30th. And it gets like extra mobilized by Mars going in with it. <laughs> So we're seeing like a lot of activity come up, a lot of like new themes. And it it's like all happening around the social distancing, you know, quarantining and like a pandemic. Um, this like crisis of like how, how things spread invisibly, you know, silently. And, and then also how to like, how to work with people in, in a more flexible way how to you know operate under constantly changing conditions because just because of the nature of the pandemic and how it's like you know grown exponentially and then like seems to drop and then maybe picks up again it's like there's a lot of like roller coaster energy a lot of like unknowns um chaos and finding a sense of like social fluidity in that and also ease in in the changes is it's definitely like an air fire space (laughs) Mm. right and like and it's just the beginning of a much bigger global change over the next 200 years so it feels like you know for us like coming into our Saturn return we're like coming of age in this big transition Someone had described it to me. I was at um, an NCGR conference this in August. Someone I met there, Laura Campana, um, had said that this was like, like we're bringing in the revolution. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I feel like there's like revolution in this, um, a change of healthcare and like the financial system. Mm. cultural values like I'm really feeling into that I've been feeling into the it's really unique that there's a common thing that everyone on the globe is talking about and thinking about and even people that like to not get involved in groupthink 
um, are still being physically like in their circumstantial reality, like there's a gravity or a rotation around the pandemic such that everyone's really in it. Mm. And I have never experienced, like maybe when Trump got elected was another moment where everyone was talking about the same thing. Uh, But I haven't experienced something like this where my emails, like my mailing list subscriptions, like every single brand, no matter what they're doing, how like all of them, they're sending out emails with their take and their guidance and how their business is adjusting. I got a really, uh, I follow Amanda Bucci. She's like a business strategist. And I think she's a really interesting person. She's like pivoted careers a bunch of times and she's really young. Like she's, I mean, she's like 25 or something right now. And she like, is just a very successful business person and like has a huge social media following. But she sent out an email about like how to do business in the recession and like, had this long, really like insightful email, like just days after this is all going on. And I'm like, how quickly she pivots. Like she mm. a role model to me in that way of just like how she responds to shifts uh, really quickly and really with a lot of agility. Um, I wonder if this time period, like, you know, yeah, like people coming of age and like learning how to how to thrive in like a changing world where it's not necessarily about things staying the same and having like stable security as much as it is about having some kind of anchor within yourself such that you can innovate as you need to as things change. Yeah, for sure. Also like really interesting that it's happening um in Aquarius <laughs> as opposed to the other air signs so that like Aquarius is um, of all of them you know it's the fixed air sign so it has kind of um, a slowness to it it's like, it's, it's like more stable than the other ones though air in general isn't a very stable element <laughs> um, but it, it has like this need to gather information so I think of um the star card or like the water bearer you know like after having gone through so many difficult things you come to this place where you're able to like cup your wisdom and share it and it just seems as if we're entering this time when those of us with the like Saturn and Aquarius, so anyone who's like really influenced by the Saturn and Aquarius is like getting to, you know, learn how much wisdom they have to share with others. Um, And we're all kind of collectively supporting each other in a way that is like slow and a little bit uneasy at first, but becomes stronger and stronger over time. Beautiful. Yeah. So, Cello, how can people read your writing and find you and work with you? You do astrology consults. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I have a website, astrologywithcello.com. Cello is spelled like the instrument. And then, yeah, you can just find me there. Um, 
And then I have like Instagram and stuff, which is all connected on that website. So yeah. Awesome. Everyone listening, go check out Cello's offerings um, and writing. And um, it was really amazing to hear your insights about Saturn and Saturn in Aquarius. I got to make a lot of new connections. And I feel like this would be a good conversation for like a walk outside or like sitting by a tree or something. (laughs) For sure. Any last like things you want to share before we go? I feel like I have a million things. (laughs) (laughs) There are like so many things that I wanted to talk about. And that's like, that's just the beauty of astrology. There's so much to it. But it was really nice to chat with you. Um, and it feels so special to be on your show. So thank you. For- Thanks, Chella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining me. one thing you can do to reflect more upon what we spoke about is to see what sign you have on your 12th house cusp or which is also referred to as the ruler of your 12th house for thinking about how you work with solitude or how you work with quarantine. My 12th house is Aquarius and I think I use solitude to tune in with my frequency and to get downloads and also to broadcast and share those downloads. I usually write alone and not in public spaces. And I think in a way that if we're alone, we can feel what our frequency is more. Like we can feel what our own energy is like. And one of my favorite books, um, or I think I mentioned this in the podcast. I don't know. (laughs) Hard to remember when I talk about this because I feel like I talk about Sanaya Roman's books all the time. Um, There's a series of channeled texts by Sanaya Roman and she's channeling a being named Oren. But some of these books talk about how we can open up to channel. And some of the guidance there is that if we are comfortable with our own solitude and we know what our own energy is like, that we'll be able to notice when we're experiencing an energy that's not ours per se. Um, And that way we can hear if we're getting like a message or something. Um, And that when we're familiar with our own frequency, with our own essence, so to say, we're more perceptive of when we're getting like a psychic or clairvoyant message because we can feel that it's a little bit different than our own voice. And in order to know what we're like, we have to experience ourselves alone or in our own space and then feel how different we feel when we're out in a public space or when we're around another person. By having a relationship with our own solitude, we get to understand the contrast. So that's what came to mind for me. And as I've been sharing since I've been back from the hiatus for this podcast, I've been studying traditional slash Hellenistic astrology, and I'm really excited about this exploration. Talking with Cello gave me a lot to think about in regards to that. Um, And the houses in traditional astrology carry different meanings, some common, um, but some different than modern interpretations of the houses. I'm still learning and exploring a lot about that. 
When you're an astrology enthusiast, student, or professional astrologer alike, you'll always be learning new things. So if you haven't, if you're newer to this podcast and you aren't aware of my astrology writing, I write weekly forecasts at monarchastrology.com. And I also offer astrology readings um, from the evolutionary perspective. And if you've been enjoying this podcast for a little bit and you have something to say about it, I would love to read your review. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and take a screenshot before you click submit and email that over to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll take down your email and send you a free gift that I'm working on when it's ready, a gift for podcast reviewers. So thank you so much for being here. I hope that you are having some meaningful experiences in your solitude or in your connection with loved ones during the solitude during quarantine um and that that something meaningful opens up from this time period for you and none of us really know how long this is going to go on so it's um it's being in the liminal and being with the unknown that are good skills to have in life in general, but especially right now. All right, take care, stay healthy. Much love to all of you. 